about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, glory to God. Got a Bible this morning? Good, you're going to need it. Take it out, go to Luke chapter 16 tonight. We're continuing to repent, which means to change your way of thinking, and we're doing that because there's a government from God here called the kingdom of God, and that kingdom belongs to each and every one of us because we were born into it, and we're now citizens and sons in a family of God. One thing we must do is change our way of thinking. All of us were born into a democracy. Most of us understand a democracy to somewhat, but none of us understand kingdom and king. So the more we understand that, the more we'll start to understand this book when you read it, and we'll understand the kingdom of God and its things. Look at Luke chapter 16. Verse 16. Uh, I said on the show the other night, too, I would encourage you to do something God told me to do a long time ago, and that's take the Bible and read the red. Just read the red. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't read anything else. Just the red, the red, the red. How many know that in the red is everything Jesus said? And you've got to be pretty interested in what the king said if you're going to be part of the kingdom with the king. So I took the Bible one time and just read all the red, the red, the red. I was surprised how much red there was, to be honest with you, number one. And then it sort of had a theme to it, and that theme was the kingdom of God from start to finish. All right, Luke chapter 16. Look at verse 16. It is in red. It says, The law and the prophets were until John. Now, who's John? Who's he talking about? John the Baptist. Notice, since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. So Jesus says, up until John the Baptist, basically, the law and the prophets were preached, but now what's supposed to be preached after John? The kingdom of God is what's supposed to be preached. He's very specific. He just doesn't say the gospel or this or that. He says the kingdom of God needs to be preached now. Why is that? Because he's the one who brought the kingdom of God. He actually was the kingdom of God on two legs, walking the earth at that time, and he wants everybody to understand how to operate in this kingdom that God has given us. How many know it's important to know how to operate? Even people coming across the southern border right now, if they get to a place where they become citizens, how many know it's important for them to learn our constitution to learn our language, to learn our laws, to learn our rules if they're going to be a citizen of that country. Well, it's the same way for us. We came out of a place called the kingdom of darkness, and it has different rules, different ways of doing things. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible calls it has broad ways of doing things, but the kingdom of God is a narrow way. So it's important that we find the narrow way and we come out of what? The broad way. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45, look at verse 18. It says, For thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Did you see that? Did I give you the right spot? Is everybody okay? 
All right, now notice, here it's talking about the creation of the heavens and the earth. He basically created the earth, and, and what you've got to understand, anything that God ever created or anything that God ever did was for a purpose. He just don't do things to show that he's God. He just doesn't do things because he feels like it. But here he created the heavens, and he created a planet called the earth, and he created that earth for one reason. What was that reason? Thank you, to be inhabited to be inhabited, for somebody to live on that earth. That's why he created it. Everything, if you go back to Genesis, you're going to find everything that he created with, with the idea of man coming sooner or later. He created the sun. Why? Because he's going to put man on earth. The moon. Why? Because seeds and, and fruit and cattle and everything else he put here. Why? Because man was going to be coming to the earth, and man is the reason why he created the earth to begin with. He just didn't create the earth and then say, well, I need to do something. It's just sitting here with cows and stuff on it, so I ah, just try to make a man. This was his purpose from the beginning. He wanted a family. He wanted people who knew him and trusted him, and basically by being in his family, he wanted to give them rulership over a dominion or a domain just like he had. He was already in heaven and had that rulership. Now he wanted mankind to rule on the earth. How many of you are mankind? Yeah, yeah you're mankind. So that's what you put here for. And let me just throw this out there real quick. When you die and go to heaven, you're not going to stay in heaven. I was always taught, just wait till you die and you'll go be with Jesus in heaven forever. You're not going to end up in heaven. You're going to end up on earth. God's plan, as somebody said, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, his plan doesn't change just because we think different or just because we mess it up. So you're going to end up, if you die, you're going to end up in heaven for a period of time, but then there's going to be something called a new heavens and a new, and you're going to have rulership back on the, because the earth was created for man to be inhabited. Are you listening? So that's what it's for. That's where we're going to end up. We're going to be ruling and reign here now, and we're going to be ruling and reign here forever, basically. The assignment you stepped into is for now, and it's forever. So we inhabit it for mankind. Now notice, what did he create for man to inhabit? The earth. The earth. No, not Mars. Not Jupiter. He created the earth for man. So mankind and the species of man is now on the earth realm, and they're basically because God had a plan in the beginning. Go to Psalm 115. Well, we can go several different directions this morning, so whichever way you pull me, that's the way I'm going. So if you pull me in a direction you don't like, blame yourself. <laughs> All right, Psalm 115. Look at verse 16. It says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to who? The children of men. So here he makes it. I created the heaven. The heaven belongs to me. I'm in charge. I'm in rulership of the heaven. But then I created earth, and I gave it to the children of who? So he gave it to the children of men. Now, he did not give us the earth as a possession. He put us here on earth as a place of management and stewardship for him. I mean, no, you don't own the earth. God owns the earth. It belongs to God. But you've been put here on his domain, on his planet, as a, as a colony person, basically, to usher in the kingdom of heaven here on the earth with his characteristics, with his morals, with his values. And we do that basically here on the earth. That is our purpose for being here now. But the earth doesn't belong to us. The earth belongs to who? God. All right, go to Psalm 24. I'm trying not to get going too quick. I'm trying to slowly walk through this and show you the scriptures so that you have it yourself. All right, Psalm 24. Look at verse 1. It says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell in it. 
for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Now this tell you what, what belongs, what to the earth belong to? Belongs to who? The Lord. Say the Lord. So it belongs to God. The earth doesn't belong to us. We are here as stewards. We are here as managers. We're here on an assignment on the earth realm to manage God's stuff and what he has and what basically belongs here. So that's what it's for. All right, go to Philippians chapter 2. Say, the earth is the Lord's. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 10. Or Philippians, I'm sorry. Just seeing if you're awake this morning. <laughs> look at verse 10. At that time, Jesus, every knee should bow at the name of Jesus, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. He's what? Lord. Now, you understand that, that God is king, Jesus is king, we understand that part of it, but you don't understand not only is he king, he is also He's Lord. We found that the Lord belongs, the earth belongs to the Lord. It keeps saying the word Lord there. We've got to understand what Lord means. Lord, basically, if you look it up in, in, the, in the Bible, it means owner. Say owner. owner. A Lord is an owner. If you own a property or you're renting from someone else, you have a land Lord that you're accountable to because he's the one who has that property. You're just renting that property. You're just taking care of that property. You're just in that property. But it actually belongs to the land Lord because he is Lord. So, you know, we, we go around confessing, Jesus Christ is Lord. It's, he's Lord. He's Lord. But we don't understand what it means when we say that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is why many people in the body of Christ struggle financially. Because we don't understand that Jesus Christ basically is Lord. So we've got the earth. We can farm it. We can build houses on it. We can do whatever we want on this earth. We're here. We get money on this earth. We do all the stuff on earth. But notice, if he is Lord, it means he is owner. And the Bible says he owns everything on the earth. Everything on the earth. Say, everything on the earth. See, not just, just everything, but your, your stuff. He's Lord of everybody's stuff but mine. No, he's Lord over all the stuff. Everything you got came from the Lord. The house that you've got came from the Lord. You're living there now. You're not going to have it forever. How many of you know that? Some of y'all going to be in that house sooner or later. And the house that you have now doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the who is the owner of everything here on the earth. So you've got to break a spirit that's in your life of ownership. That this belongs to me, that belongs to me, this belongs to me, that belongs to me. My bank account belongs to me. None of this stuff belongs to you. You came in the world with nothing, and you're going to go out of this world with nothing. Now notice, you did have something when you came in, and here's why it's so tough. The only thing you had when you came into the world was you. And then you get here, and God wants you to give you to him and do all his will, and then the only thing you're going to leave with is you. So the hardest thing for God to get is the only thing you really own, which is are you following me? So it's hard. I ain't going to give that up. That's me. That's all I got for God's sakes. He's already taken my money, took my house, took everything else to be Lord of. He's certainly not going to be Lord over me because I've got to have something. But you find out when you come under his lordship and his ownership and follow his laws and his ways that it gets a lot better than when you were running and you were Lord over yourself. How many tried the Lord over yourself? How many are glad you got out of that? Yeah, it didn't work. You making the decisions, you doing this, you doing that. I don't care what God says. I, I, Jesus is Lord. Well, no, he wasn't Lord at all. 
basically. You are still Lord. And you've got to understand that everything that you own now, everything that you possess, everything that you have basically belongs to him. It's his. And it's here for a period of time, everything that we have. And this is why financial trouble happens to people because if you think everything is yours, it's hard for you to give anything away that's yours because it's yours and that's why your closet looks like it's yours and your garage looks like it's yours and your car looks like it's yours and everything you got looks like yours because you've been accumulating stuff all the time that you thought that you needed and you store it up because someday you know there's a commercial what the heck is that commercial now on tv where uh, where you don't want to be like your people grow up they're going to be like their mom and dad i don't know if it's a something and now they got one where the guy's standing there with the, all these owner's manuals and he says throw them away and he's throwing them in the dumpster one by one and he says well, he says what's that too and he said something about the dryer and he says do you even have that dryer and he says no <laughs> but they saved the manual he's probably had four dryers since then but he's still got the manual to the original one what for nobody knows and that's the way we are because we think we've got to accumulate come on now we think it belongs to us so when god tells us to do something with that small voice in our hearts, we immediately rebuke the devil. <laughs> Why? Because you don't want to let go of. This is what causes people to get, to hoard, to keep, to do everything. It's a spirit of ownership, always afraid you're not going to have enough. Well, if it's up to you to have enough, you're probably not going to have enough. But if you turn it over to the one who owns everything, come on now. And since he owns everything, here's the thing. He can tell you to give whatever you got anytime he wants to tell it and give it to somebody else. He'll tell you to give it to somebody you don't like. And you'll say, oh, I don't want to give it to them. He said, I didn't ask you if you wanted to. He said, it's mine to begin with, and they need it, and you're supposed to give it to them. You're the funnel. You're the distributor. Say distributor. Notice the kingdom of God is all about distribution. It has nothing to do with ownership and how much you can get and what you can do. And your success is not in that, basically. People who are rich out there committing suicide on drugs, everything else, it tells you that success is not in money and it's not in stuff that you get. It's in operating in the kingdom of God. And what God wants us to start to do is people who, people who give and who spread stuff out. Praise God. You know, if, if everybody in the world just got rid of everything that they haven't used in the last five years in their garage and closet, it, you could just close down half the Walmarts. Because there'll be stuff all over the place. We got stuff we, we don't use. We got stuff we had with the kid. You know, that little sandwich thing that came out to where you can make a quick sandwich and you put the stuff in there and you fold it over and it cooks. You open it up and there's the sandwich. We got that thing and we probably bought that when the kids were three. And it's still in my cupboard someplace. And we haven't made a sandwich in that thing since 1942, praise God. <laughs> but see, it's not being used anymore. You see, it's being stored and being held and being... Well, maybe somebody right now who has... Who, who is married and has 14 kids and would like to make a quick sandwich, maybe they would like that thing or an omelet maker. Do you see what I mean? But we keep things because you never know when we're going to use that. Yeah, you do. You know when you're going to use it. Clothing's the same way, all these things. And basically it's because it's, you've got that spirit of ownership on you and God doesn't want to do the ownership. He wants to know you don't own anything. He is Lord of everything that you have. The house you live in, you may love it and everything, but sooner or later, somebody else is going to have that house. Somebody else is going to have your car. Somebody else is going to have your money because that's just the way it's designed here. You're not here forever. You're here for a period of time. Now, how much stuff will I have then if I, if I go into the kingdom of God? As much as you need. If God calls you to do a million-dollar ministry, let me tell you what, and you're doing it, he will supply that plus, praise God. If you have a million-dollar ministry and you want to be yourself and have all your own stuff and do all that stuff, then he's not responsible. Mm -hmm. So you cut your ties off. The kingdom of God doesn't operate that way. 
So give me money, give me money, give me money. I need money more. I need money. No, you just got to get in the kingdom of God and get in that giving heart. How many know he's a giver? God so loved the world, he gave. And he gave his only begotten son. You ain't got anything that good. He gave the best thing that he had, and he gave it, and he sowed it. Why? Because God is a giver. Now I've got the nature of God on the inside, don't I? And I'm a giver. Because that's the nature of God. I'm a giver. And you got that giving nature battling with your old thought life. So you need to repent and hook into your heart. I mean, there's times when, when you knew you should have did something. People needed money and you didn't give it or did this. or Well, I don't know. They might take it and use it for drugs. Well, if God tells you to give it to them, it's not you're responsible for what they do or what they don't do with the money. You just give it because you're the one they gave the money to. Are you following me? And it's your time and it's anything else. And, and when you get in God's flow of things, God is a giver. God wants to give. It doesn't belong to us. It passes through us most of the time. Does that mean I'm not supposed to have a bank account? No, you're supposed to have a bank account. But don't, don't make that bank account Lord of your life. Keep Jesus as Lord of your life. Things will flow in. Things will flow out. Things will go. But that spirit of ownership has to be broken off the church. That's why the church struggles with finances so much. People in the church do. Because they gimme, 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 and they don't gimme, 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 and whatever you gimme, you gimme. You see? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So if you don't sow anything, and then you're wondering why, you know, there was a guy here this morning who comes around about every three months, and he's always looking for money, he's always got the same story, his wife and everybody's sick, and he don't have any money, and he's trying to work hard, and dee, 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 and I ask him the same questions, he gives me the same answers, I give him the same thing of what to do, and he comes back three months later, and he hasn't done what I told him to do anyway, so we go around the circle again, you know, and I maybe give him 20 bucks to get gas, or whatever he needs like that, and whatever, but you've got to be, you know, the Bible tells us we need to be number one cheerful givers, Amen. and not to give just because there is a need, right. we need to be led by the Lord. But if you don't break that spirit off of you of ownership, you won't hear the Lord, the Lord. or you'll rationalize your way out of. Oh, I love it when it gets quiet in here. <laughs> that means we're doing brain surgery right now. Yeah. Yeah, that voice is in there. No, it, no, we were, we were created in the kingdom of darkness, so there's no giving there. There's taking. There's climbing the ladder. There's doing whatever you can do. Get a dollar here and hang on to it. If you rip somebody off, rip them off. Do whatever you... And now once we get in the kingdom of God, everything changes. Now we've got to think, do something different in the way we change. But first you've got to understand that he's not only king, he's also... Lord. He's Lord. And if he's going to be Lord of your life, then he's Lord of all of your life. See, he can be Lord of my life, not of my finances... Lord of my kids. See, we can't pick and choose. He's either Lord or he's not Lord. He's not a half Lord. He's Lord over everything we got. So everything that we got, from the shirt on our back to the shoes on our feet, belong. And as you're walking through life, I mean, it, God will speak to you if you start to change the way that you're thinking on the inside. And you'll be able to be a blessing to people. How many know a blessing? Amen. See, sometimes God will tell you what somebody needs when they're not even coming to ask you what they need. He just tells you, you give it to him, and they'll stop and say, that's exactly what I was... Why? Because you were an answer to prayer to that person who had already prayed and was waiting for somebody to answer. But we want God to drop down a bag of money. God, they need some money. Drops bag down here. No, he used you in that situation. Never forget the first Bible I ever gave away. It was a guy who, who was in our church, and he just got born again, and he got all excited about the things of God, and he was all, all fired up and everything, and, and basically he, he was coming to work, and, and he says, you know, I got to get a Bible. I kept saying, I got to get a Bible. I got to get a Bible. But, you know, you, what you want to do and then what you do, sometimes you get busy and whatever, and one day God said, give him your Bible. And I said, what? said, give him your Bible. I said, no, I've got notes. And I've got underlines, pink and yellow. 
in blue and orange in my Bible. And it's got my name on the front. Look, Pastor Tom's Bible. Okay. He said, no, give him your Bible and get a new one. He said, I don't want to give him a new one. I want to keep my Bible. That's my Bible. That's my life in there. I mean, no, that's a struggle. So I had to go and I had to give it to him. And of course, he gets and goes, I knew somebody was going to give me a Bible. I felt like saying, well, you should have prayed somebody else did it. So your prayers aren't that good. So I had to give my Bible away with all my precious notes and all my precious stuff and had to get a brand new one. You ever get a brand new Bible after having one that was marked up? What's wrong with this thing? Too bad you can't get them with marks in them or something. But that was hard for me to do. And it wasn't a big thing. It was just something that I owned. That was my Bible. And that belonged to me. And nobody could have that because it was holy. It's a holy Bible. Righteous Bible. So, I mean, that, I, I'd rather gave him $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. I would. He said, give me $1,000. I said, here it is. Give me my Bible back. <laughs> I'll buy the dang thing back. I want that thing. But that's not the way it worked. Because God will take, God will ask you to get away, give away what you think you own. Because that's the only way he can break that, see. He, he ain't going to ask you to give away something you don't want. Because, I mean, well, that's easy. We don't want this thing. We give it to somebody else. So he'll come and you'll see things in your life because he knows if he's Lord over your life, you're going to be successful in everything that you do, including the financial realm, because he knows how the kingdom of God operates. So you've got to come into a giving mentality, not a getting, 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 hope somebody gives me, hope somebody... No, you've got to look at a giving and walk as a giver. I'm not saying you've got to give all your money away. Just walk with an attitude of giving and there'll be times... Say times. It's not a continual thing where God may have you do something for this person or do something to that. Take somebody out to lunch, pay for the lunch or whatever. You know, it's a giving thing that you do and make sure you're just giving in the good ground. How many know you need to do that? Yes. And then you give in the good ground. Because why is that? Because he's Lord. Say he's Lord. He's Lord. All right, go to Matthew 21. All right, Matthew 21, look at verse 1. It says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come out of Bethpage into the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples and said to them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man says unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. Now, this is interesting, because we think of an ass or a donkey as something worthless, but back then, how many know, it was an important thing. It was like a Mercedes, like you had a Mercedes. You know, I, I got the best donkey in the whole wide world. He says, go in there, just tell them you need that donkey. Well, I mean, you know, if somebody was there and owned that donkey, it was going to be tough. Notice what he told him to say. Say the Lord. Now, apparently, this guy understood kingdom principles already. Because he knew once it said Lord, that was no longer his donkey. That was the Lord's donkey. And he said, go ahead and take it. Because he was already schooled. He already knew what he was doing. So he was already in a distribution mindset to give up his donkey, basically to go back to Jesus, because Jesus said, the Lord has need of it. Well, it's the same way with us. How many know the Lord has need of some of the stuff that we have? 
Matter of fact, he gave it to us because he would have need for it later for somebody else who would need it. See? So some of the stuff you got basically already belongs to somebody else. See? Anybody ever give you something? You said, that's exactly what I wanted? Yeah. Yeah. That was a God thing. See, it came in. Somebody had it. And they didn't need it. You needed it. it. Just think if we do that. I mean, I drive by, tell Becky, I drive by these car lots. My God, there's a car lot. You can't throw a rock without hitting a car lot. If they would just give out cars to everybody, we'd all have four cars. Every person in the world would have four or five cars to drive around. But since they're all hoarded in, see, and people with billions and billions of dollars, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? Die and just leave it to your kids? See, the, the, we weren't made to have billions and billions and trillions of dollars. It wasn't designed that way. It wasn't made up that way. It's supposed to come through. It's supposed to pass through. So sometimes those people have problems physically, sometimes mentally, everything else. Why? Because they're constipated. Yeah, they're constipated. They don't give anything away, and they just keep getting more, and they just keep trying to get more, and they get more, and they don't need more, and why they want more, I don't know. You think a billion dollars would be enough to get through life? But they want more, and they'll cheat, and they'll steal, and they'll do it. Why is it? That spirit of ownership's on them so much that if they could, they would own the whole world. I mean, you can see it in politics. Spirit of ownership. Everybody goes into politics not to help God or the people, but to get as much stuff as they can while they're in there. And if they've got to rip off people to do it, they've got to rip off people to do it. There's a strong spirit in there, basically, of ownership. And it's the same way in the church. There is a strong spirit of ownership in the church today. Because we don't have a kingdom mentality, we've got our natural thinking mentality. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, good. Exodus chapter 6. Praise God, Pastor Tom. This is really good this morning. This is exactly what I wanted to hear, that I didn't own anything, and now, and now God's going to take everything from me and give it to somebody. I'm so excited about the good news this morning. It's just, I'll tell you, it is good news if you operate in it. And people say, well, I'm doing all right the way I am. Well, all right's good, but I want to do better than all right. All right. Exodus chapter 6. Look at verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shall you see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let him go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty. But by now my name Jehovah was I not known yet. So here he's appearing to who? Moses. He comes to Moses and he said, hey, I came to Abraham, uh, I came to Isaac, I came to all these people, and I came to them as God Almighty. How many know he's God Almighty? But notice, he said, I'm coming to you different. I'm coming to you not as just God Almighty, but I'm coming to you as your Lord. Switch. Lord, what's Lord? Owner. How many know Moses' new owner? How about back then they knew about ownership? All right, so he says, I am Lord. So what was he doing? Making a shift. So what he was saying to him is, I commanded, and I'm God Almighty, and I could make Abraham and Sarah have a child because I'm God Almighty, but I want you to know that the womb that had the baby belonged to me anyway. The sperm that Abraham had to produce the baby belonged to me anyway. Not just the baby, but everything involved in it belonged to me because I am the I'm the Lord of everything. I own everything. I've got everything. So the miracle took place in Abraham, but it took place because God owned 
the sperm, and he owned the womb anyway. It all belonged to God. So God used what belonged to him. How many know Sarah had to give him, allow him to use, and Abraham had to allow to use? Come on, are you listening? Because all this stuff belonged to them, basically. All right, look at verse 6. Wherefore I say unto the children of Israel, I am the who? Lord. Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you and stretch out my arm with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the who? Lord, Lord your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give you this inheritance because I am the Lord. Lord. How many know he's a little repetitious here? How many know he's probably trying to make a point? Right. He says, I am the Lord. I am the one. So he said, I'm going to take you out of this land, and I'm not going to have you get that land. I have already given you that land. Now we know the Jebusites and the Hebusites and everybody who had a site was living in that land at that time. <laughs> And basically, he didn't go confer with them, negotiate with them, because that land didn't belong to them. Right. It belonged to God's people. So he was going to take it from them, and he already gave it to the people of God even before the people of God were in the land. Are you following me? Yeah. It's because it was the Lord's. Now, we all, we all quote the scripture, the wealth of the wicked is going to come to the... Why? Because it doesn't belong to the wealth of the wicked. It belongs to people who are. So it's still God's whether the wicked's got it or not. The only problem is, can I say this? The wicked manage it better than the church. Oh, God, that hurt. Yeah, you got wicked people out there that manage, have godly principles, don't even know God, and we're out here doing everything that's not God, and wonder why they got it. It's because you're not operating as God. But as soon as you do, the wealth of the wicked who's not managing it correctly is going to come to the just. He's going to start pouring into the church. He's going to start pouring into people who are born again. He's going to start pouring in there. Why? Because he's the Lord, Amen. and he can take whatever he wants and put it wherever he wants it to go. So how many know there's a lot of buildings in the wrong people's hands today? There's a lot of houses in wrong people's today. There's a lot of everything in the wrong people's hands today. But there's going to be a, there is going to be a transference of wealth, but it's just not by walking around quoting the Scripture. Wealth of the wicked is going to come to the just. The wealth of the wicked is going to come to the just. Do you tithe? No, but the wealth of the wicked is going to come to the just. Do you give? Never, but wealth of the wicked is going to come to the just. Well, you're not even just. So you're one that's going to pass over and go to the next one. You see? This is the way God's kingdom operates. This is the way it works. This is what happens. This is, I mean, he gave Adam, and out of Adam came everybody else. It's just a giving thing from start to finish. So here we can see right here that he already gave them the land. He's already gave us power. He's already gave us anointing. He's already given us these things. Why? Because we're the ones who need that property that he has. But notice it's still his property, basically, that he gave us. Hallelujah. All right, go to Exodus chapter 8. This is even better now. Look at Exodus chapter 8. Let's go to verse 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, now Moses is understanding this lordship stuff by now. He's getting a clue. Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto them, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and unto thy houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground thereupon that they are. Now notice. I don't know if you've ever had one fly in your house. 
I will chase that thing around for till I get it, it's a mission. We're on a mission. And God forbid if it lands. And then you gotta shake everything till it gets up there and starts flying around again. Now here he says, I I'm gonna release flies. Why because the flies belong to God. The flies belong to God. So God says, I'm just going to let these flies go. You're going to have flies here. You're going to have flies everywhere. You're going to have flies. If you don't let my people go, you're going to be full of flies for this thing's over with. So watch what happens. Look at verse 22. And I will separate in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end that they may know that I am the Lord in the midst of them, and I will put division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall be this sign. Now, imagine these people. He comes and says, you're going to have a fly problem, Pharaoh, if you just don't shape up right now. You're going to have flies everywhere. Ah, oh, boy. There's flies everywhere. But across the street in Goshen, there's no flies. The flies stop at the roadway between. So you've got swarms of flies over here. They're swatting them, and everybody's over here outside eating. Side, not a fly in sight. Just doing anything. See, there's a separation between kingdom of God people. How many know that you knew who belonged to God and who didn't? You didn't have to see their card. They didn't have to have a dunker, donkey sticker on the side that says, <laughs> they didn't have cars. That'd be a donkey sticker. <laughs> yeah. They had one on it. They got all this stuff. They didn't need it. They crossed around their neck. They didn't need this stuff. When you looked over there and didn't see any flies, you said, godly, godly, godly. And how many know, probably by this time, Pharaoh was taking some heat. Because a little bit after that, how many know there was going to be a severe frog problem? Yeah, <laughs> yeah frogs everywhere, man. Frogs are coming. And then, of course, there's frogs one place, and there's no frog any other place. And what's the difference? Kingdom of God people are living according to the kingdom of God under the king himself, and there's protection there. Oh, this is why you never got to be fearful of anything, because as long as you're walking in the kingdom, now if you're not, get back in there, repent, and get where you belong. But if you're walking in the kingdom of God, you've got no worries, and you've got no cares. Even if your house blows down in a hurricane, God will drop the money the next day for you to build something bigger than you always wanted. Because we're kingdom people. We're different than other people. We don't have time to worry. We don't have time to do all this stuff. So then here's all these flies. You can see the difference. Something has changed here. Something's going on. What, everybody's favorite Psalm, Psalm 91, what does it say? A thousand shall fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall. Thank you. Kingdom of God, you're dropping dead over here. People are dying over here, but you're just walking through there. Praise God. You ain't got no problems because you're a kingdom of God citizen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So thank God there's no flies in here today. All right, go to Exodus chapter 9. Yeah, frogs. All right, Exodus chapter 9, look at verse 2. But if you refuse, now by this time I think I'd have gave up. But if you refuse to let them go and will hold on to them, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in thy field upon your horses and your asses and your camels and the oxen upon the sheep, there shall be a very, very grievous sickness come upon them. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall nothing die of all the land in the children of Israel. 
I mean, there's another separation there, isn't there? All at once, cows are dropping dead over here, and cows are standing up, just eating away over here. Flies are eating the dead cows over here. Ain't even any flies over here to be. Frogs are jumping up and down over here, and everybody on this side. I think God is trying to show us the separation we should have in our way of thinking between kingdom people and between regular people. So when you start worrying about your finances and stuff, you've dropped out of the kingdom of God. When you start getting nervous about your money, you've dropped out of the kingdom of God. You just go along. You, you do what God tells you to do. You fulfill your purpose. When you go to work now, you don't go to work to make money. You go to work to expand the kingdom. Amen. That's why you're in the job that you don't like the people. I don't know why God's got me in here. I do. Just come. I'll tell you why. Tell you why. Because he needs somebody in there. What's he going to do? Put another egghead in there with the rest of them? You'll just have a, have a full omelet, praise God, before it's over with. No, you've been placed in these positions. You've been put in these positions. Why do I always run into these kind of people? <laughs> Basic life. That's the way it works. How's he going to extend his kingdom if we all get in a little cult group and meet together and study the kingdom of God, then go out and avoid everybody who's don't know anything about the kingdom when that's our purpose? <laughs> when that's our purpose. To begin with in life is to reach out and expand the kingdom of God. God and sons were God's children doing a job for him that he can't do here without us and we can't do without him. Amen. So we're tied to him. We're stuck to him basically. But there's a separation between the two. And if you just hang in there and keep, keep going in God's way of doing things, it, it may take a little while, may not. All at once, some things will start to change. All at once, abundance will start coming to you from different areas. Right, Chrissy? Yeah. He's struggling for years and in the hair business, trying to make a living in the hair business. I don't want bang. Somebody wants to come into her, bring five different people to come to cut it, do everything at all at once. She goes from her to everybody at one shot. What happened? That's kingdom. That just don't happen. Do you see? What happened? You just stay in the kingdom. And here's, here's your thought you get all the time. This kingdom stuff just don't work. That stupid pastor tells us all the time to try to study kingdom and it just don't work. I'll tell you, it worketh. It worketh. It has totally changed my life. Now, my, my advantage was in mine was when I decided that God owned everything I had was a time when I had nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was way in debt. I didn't have anything. I said, you can have it, God. So you, you don't own just my money. He owns my debts. So I was happy when I found out that he was Lord and that he would take care of my debts because I didn't have anything else to give him but my debts. And how many know that was good enough for him to step in and start telling me, just make this move, just buy this thing, just do this, just make this investment, just do that, just do that. And pretty soon everything all turned around. Now, and that's why it's hard for the rich people to enter the kingdom of God because they're already rich and they don't want to be told how to handle their finances because they're already rich. Remember the rich young ruler? I've done every law I could do, everything that I could do. I've done it right to the T, boy. I tell you, I came to church on time every Sunday morning, 10, 30, Wednesday nights. I was on time, and, and I sang, and I did all this stuff. And, but something's missing. Amen. What was that? A spirit of ownership was still controlling his life at that point. So how did Jesus try to break it? He said, take everything that you have, and how many know he was not coming for that answer? Or he certainly wouldn't have came. You don't come looking for that answer. But you got it. What was it? It was kingdom, wasn't it? He said, well, I'll tell you what. You've got to break that spirit. Just give everything you got. And then after that, you're going to find out. I'm going to start supplying your needs. You're going to have as much or more than that. But how many know it's hard to let, let go? It's hard to let go. 
Even the offering, you get squashed up dollar bills and, and smashed 20s because they wouldn't let it go until one of my ushers hit their hand and then they dropped it in and it got in there. And see, we train our ushers here. We give them rulers. They pull out of their pocket. Back like the old Catholic days. You remember that, Ted? On the old knuckles? Yeah. Get them to drop it in there because it's hard to go. But no, no, we're a, we're a different breed of people here. We're a, and, and according to that, you know, with the cows and everything else, when COVID comes... We're not on the fly side, the frog side. See, we're on this side where there are no frogs and are no frogs. Why? Because we have protection if we're walking. Now, if you fear it, you'll get it. Fear attracts flies and frogs and everything else. That's right. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Fear does that. That's what fear does. Whatever you're desperately afraid of, you will end up getting. Just like if you faith for something, you will get it. And if you fear for something, you will get it. So you've got to keep fear out of your life. And we can all recognize fear by now, can't we? We understand when fear is trying to get in. Well, you've got to get that thing out. God has not given you a spirit of, but of love, power, and a, a sound mind. So as we stay in the Word and we read the Word and we understand the Word and we do things, as a matter of fact, God goes so far as saying, don't even worry about tomorrow. Some people are so worried about tomorrow, they can't even enjoy today because they're worried about tomorrow. Well, don't worry about tomorrow. Today is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice. And he always says he will always provide for your today. Always will provide for your day. This is the week the Lord has made. No, the day. It's got to do with the day. So as long as you've got enough to get through today, you're fine. They'll, it'll be there tomorrow. It'll be taken care of as long as you're not walking around in fear of tomorrow, which most people do. How many, how many of you have ever feared something for a week or two and it never even happened? Or never even took place or, you know, and, and it's hard basically because the system we're in now, even with, you know, medicine, because you go to the doctor, how many know chances of you getting a real good report from the doctor are not good. They're going to find something wrong with you. They're going to find something. That's, that's what they do. That's what they do is find something wrong. And they're going to give it to you. And the first thing you're going to do is start worrying and fearing about that thing, which how I many know that doesn't help the thing. No. So that's why you've got to be in God's covenant. You've got to be in God's word. You've got to be in God's constitution, which is the Bible, to understand how the kingdom of God operates in your life and how we operate it. So I know you're all excited about becoming givers this morning. And I can just see the joy popping up out of your hearts. But that's the kingdom of God. That's the way it is. The kingdom of God doesn't think like the world does, doesn't act like the world does. But I'll tell you what, it works. Because like the old show I used to watch, Father Knows Best. Father knows best. He, you may not like what he's telling you to do. You may not like what's written in this Bible, but he knows best for you, basically. And if you get out of the part where you're not worrying anymore and you're not, not nervous about everything anymore, you're going to find out your health is going to be the best drug you ever took because your health is going to get better there. You were, you, we were created to be in the image and likeness of God, and our body is, is good in that kind of atmosphere. But it's not, it wasn't built for worry. It wasn't built for stress. It wasn't built for fear. It wasn't built for these things. So when we got born again, we should be getting healthier from the time we got born again rather than sicker. Do you understand? Because your body, as you walk in peace and joy, how many know your body functions a lot better and you feel a lot better? Everything works a lot better for you. So that's what we do. We're kingdom citizens. And people look at you and say, well, how come you're not sick and everybody else is sick? And everybody, well, because I'm over here and you're in the fly section. And then last for clarification, and then you can go into frogs, you can go into cows, you can go into everything you want to go into, praise God. It'll all work for each and every one of us. 
Hallelujah. All right, let's, let's try to pray this morning. Oh, Lord. Lord, we really like you. I thank you for your, your constitution, your Bible that helps us change our mind, no longer conform to this stupid world, but slowly being transformed by the renewing of our mind that we know your perfect will in every single area of our life. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who continues to work with us on a daily basis. I thank you that he's the best teacher in the whole wide world. He continues to lead us and guide us in the directions that we should go. And I thank you, Father, for bringing your kingdom back to earth, that we may enter into that kingdom and we may live a kingdom lifestyle and bring other people who are not, who are not citizens yet into that kingdom. Father, you said this gospel will be preached in all the world to all the nations, and then the end shall come. We thank you that we're part of that, that, that little peace there. We thank you that we're bringing more and more people into the kingdom of God through the book, through the other book that's on the way, through everything that you've given us, Father. We use it for your glory and for your glory. We thank you for supplying all of our needs always according to your riches and glory. And we just love you and thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, And everybody said. Amen. Amen. Okay. We will... shall be added onto